Welcome to the 16th episode of the Cranky Flyer interview. Today I'm talking to Mark Thorpe, CEO of the Ontario International Airport Authority. It's been a few years since control of the airport was wrestled away from the City of Los Angeles and LA World Airports. Mark and his team have been working really hard to change the way the place does business. We went out to breakfast, so you'll hear a little bit of background noise, to talk about what he's been working on and what the future holds. Today's sponsor, Canada, which wants you to know, no, that's the other Ontario. Here we go. You took this job about two and a half years ago. Ontario took back local control of the airport or the county or, you know, whoever. Joint powers agreement. The, the, county, power. the county and the city together, yeah. About three years ago. Uh, a lot has changed in the last three years. So talk a little bit about kind of the, your biggest accomplishments. Like what are, you, what are you most proud of having done in the first three years here? Well, I, you know, I, I like to describe it as it was really a, a turnaround and a startup at the same time. Um, it was exciting in the sense that it's something that had never been done before. And it was really exciting in the sense that it was a blank slate. There was an opportunity to really do things in a completely different way. And, and so, um, I mean, on the, the basic level, I'm most proud that we've been successful in really turning the airport around, bringing it back from really what was just a lost decade since the financial downturn, um, and bringing back things where I think in 2020, 2021, we'll actually set a record level passenger for tra passenger traffic. What are you? So, what are you expecting to be at this year? Uh, we're we're right now at about a six. Well, we're about six and six million passengers a year right now. And what were you three years ago? We were under four. Under four, and that, yes. what was the low point? It was like oh eight oh nine. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was after that. Actually, it continued to drop after eight oh nine. Oh. So, so there was. I think it was maybe twenty thirteen. It got down to three point nine million. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So that's yeah. a lot of growth you've had yeah. since then. Yeah, seven point two is the the highest uh, traffic um, volume in the history of the airport, and so we're back up on pace of a, either the second half of two thousand or early twenty twenty one. We'll be on an annualized pace of more than that seven okay. seven million plus. And so, I mean, during that time, like, you know, I, I, I think Southwest used to be the airline, right? It, it was almost, yeah. you had to rely on them. Others would fly to their hubs, maybe, whatever. Yeah. But since that time, you've brought in Frontier in a big way. You've brought Airlines. in China Airlines. You've Jet got JetBlue back. And, you, and Delta's back in Atlanta. I mean, it, you know, a lot more growth. United's back in Houston. Yeah. yeah. So uh, how did you get these guys to do it? And uh, Alaska's done a little too, right? I'm yeah, they've added an additional Seattle flight. And yeah. We're looking at some opportunities that they could you know, expand more at the airport as well. So uh, how did you get these guys to come play ball again in an airport that had kind of been Southwest's, you know? Well, I think it's a, it's it's really a kind of a, a perfect confluence of a few factors. The first is... Um, and I really focus on, on vision. I, I Part of what I was going to mention before in your previous question, the thing I'm most proud of is is that we've actually created an identity and a vision for the airport. And I don't mean that in sort of a fluffy sense, but in real, reality, coming in and saying, um, number one, we know we have a market opportunity. We're an airport that's closer. You know, in Southern California, you have a unique situation with so many commercial airports. But you also have a unique situation that there's really only two that have any capacity for growth going forward in the future. LAX in Ontario. So we've looked at it, gone and looked at the data and said, how are people really behaving and tried to carve our vision and, and shape our vision in accordance with what people are actually doing. So you look at demand, where traffic comes from in the region. 
um, where they're traveling today, where there's opportunities. And we have this wonderful canvas. We have this opportunity as an airport authority with independence and flexibility to do things in a completely different way. I think the U.S. airport model is way behind the rest of the world. It doesn't work. It worked in the 1950s. It doesn't today. So we get to look at it and say, how do we do things differently? And so we looked and said, the value proposition that we offer in Southern California is that we, we are a great option for people who value their time. Uh, we do want some of the ultra-low-cost carriers, the low-fare traffic, but we're never going to win in a race, um, and we're not interested in being in some battle and race with LAX. We're not going to be um, in a 100 million passenger airport. We don't want to be. We want to be kind of a boutique business traveler's airport, and we don't want to be this, you know, um, big cargo airport for a bunch of, you know, necessarily, you know, all cargo aircraft. We want to be a, a, a freight forwarders, e-commerce, logistics-driven airport. So the key part of that is identity. And so we've been influential with airlines because we've been able to communicate that that's what we want to be and that's what we want to do. And we want to focus on the passengers that are most valuable to them, the high fare business travelers. We want to build everything, our customer experience, even our facilities around that. But the other piece of that is that we've, um, I'm under no illusions that airport costs determine airline decisions. I mean, the key right. thing is to show them demand. But what we've shown them is, is a different way to look at the Southern California market in terms of, you know, they're, um, you're in the market of 20 million people. And it is, it's different between when I was here before with Lawa um, over a decade ago and now is... LAX. LAX, the, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The former manager yeah. of Ontario Airport also yeah. manages... Sure. So, so so the difference between then and now is that there is a... And you know this living here. Congestion in this region has gotten worse. It's the most congested city in the world. So now you're asking people... And, and I understand from an airline's perspective, network economics is always easiest to put them, you know, a lot of capacity in one point to not necessarily shoot a bunch of, amongst a bunch of airports. But the reality in Southern California is that it is becoming so difficult for people to get to one airport on the coast that they need alternatives. So what we want to create is that alternative. And and in line with this vision, really, it really is kind of a holistic vision in the sense that we want to be a business traveler's airport, kind of a boutique business travel airport. And that also means we want to use the property that we have 700 acres we got back that we can develop or redevelop. We want to develop that into the kind of things that draw business travel and create, you know, that create the exceptional experience, the hotels, the the the, the restaurants, the office buildings. That's what you know. I, a good example: we have 50 acres of of surface parking right next to the airport that can be better used for something other than surface parking. Build you a know, garage. Build a garage. Build, but build a garage you can afford to build because you can't just afford to build a garage with parking revenue. You can afford to do it if you put a hotel and an office building between the you know on either side of that garage. So we're thinking this. We're thinking smart. So when we talk to airlines. We talk to them about that bigger vision, yeah. and they see that it's a it's a multi-year vision where, you know, my, my, the, two, the, the two key on the passenger traffic side of the business as opposed to the cargo and logistics, my two pillars are that exceptional experience for business travelers. We want to give value to the people who value their time and are willing to pay a little bit more money in a higher airfare to, to have that benefit. Because um, that distinguishes us from LAX, it gives us, you know, the it gives us the value proposition that we can succeed with in Southern California. And the other piece of that is, we want to generate every dollar that we can from something other than an airline park. And in doing so, yes, it lowers the airline's cost, but it also gets us toward more of a position of financial independence in the sense that we're not just this airport that, well, if it, whatever we spend, we have to make the airlines pay for it. We can find other ways to have it paid for. 
like the Inchons do, the Singapores do. We're trying to think what are the best airports in the world doing and how do we do that here in the U.S.? Okay, so there's a lot there. So, um, Sorry about that. <laughs> it's all right. You've known me long enough to know I, I don't uh, do simple well. I, well, you know, it's fine. We are, we'll get we'll get it there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but all right. So let's start the, the cost aspect of it. So when when local control came back again, what was the cost per employment at the time? It was about um, fifteen dollars. Fifteen dollars. Fourteen to fifteen. And, and I, I mean, it, there was a point you were higher than LAX, right? We were for many years. The whole time I was yeah. with Lava, we were higher. Yeah. Very little incentive to actually go yeah. to Ontario. But but so now you're down. This year, what'll it be? It'll be about $4.10. Which is insane. So how do you get down there? I mean, I know you're talking about developing the land, putting hotels, doing all this, but that hasn't happened yet. So what what have you done? Well, so we, again, it's, it's a different model. You know, in the U.S., um, just a little bit of background, after World War II, airlines, airports were built to built, the industry was built to be a public utility, essentially, for yeah. airlines. So they were, you know, control and ownership of airports was given to municipal governments, state governments, and they became, you know, in most particularly in big cities, big markets, or the largest airports are, they became part of the city bureaucracy or the state bureaucracy. And that tended to mean that you had government employees, civil servants doing every job at the airport. Um, at the time, at, at Ontario, there had been up to 450 employees. At the time of the transfer, there were about 200. What we tried to do is look at, 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 at a lot of job functions and say, can this be outsourced or contracted out? Um, better than it can be filled by a full-time employee. And we've just been, I mean, the big, a big driver has been headcount, but it's also been looking at, at projects closely and, you know, for example, some of our capital projects saying, you know, you can, a, a typical airport planning um, process is, well, a runway needs to be fixed every 20 years. Well, you can lard up a capital project just with, we're going to capital project, capital budget with oh we got to do these projects just because that's when you replace them. Instead, we've gone and done spent money on things like on the airfield projects, the pavement management study. It says actually probably because we're in Southern California, these runways are fine, you know, and and they don't need to be wholly replaced. Well, there you take off huge costs. We've been really smart about you know maintenance. Um, two things, you know, is it is it is it is it less expensive to replace or repair? And if it's a repair, how do you do that and not have it be constantly repaired? You know, so sometimes we spend more money to save long, more money in the short and long run. Um, sometimes it's um, we just try to be more careful and smart about doing things um, still to a still to a land uh, you know standard of excellence, but doing things that the in the most financially sensible way possible. Okay, and, and then of course. Having a 50% increase in traffic is going to help your CPE. Yeah, as I, I well. should also <laughs> mention though too, a part of that. So that's on the cost side. There's really, yeah, there's there's really two there's really two op, op, there's two sides to that obviously you know it's no 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 great revelation. It's the cost side of things, being careful about that. Um, and I wouldn't say it's just managing costs. You know, you, 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 chiseling costs can it, it's more being smart about how we spend money. But then it's the revenue side of things. And what we've really tried to do there is generate revenue from everywhere, every possible way we can. I mean things like. You know, filming on the airport, like you know, if there's real estate where where you know somebody's willing to pay us two dollars and forty cents a square foot a year, you know, to park park automobiles there, and we can't build on that that spot because it's restricted space, we'll park cars there, and it's a hundred thousand dollars plus a, a year an acre. So you know, something we, it yeah, helps. something every every five hundred thousand million dollars. That's exactly right. Right. It's just that philosophical. 
Yeah. But, I mean, it's huge progress in three years to drop that quickly. And it, do you expect it to keep going down, or are you... Uh, I do. Okay. I think we're going to continue to have growth. Yeah, that's helpful. So, uh, going back to another point from your, your last thing here. So, talking about the business traveler. Now, the business traveler in Santa Monica is not going to use Ontario, right? And, and you, no. I mean, you talk about being a... a know another solution and in, in you know LAX is not going away you're not going to replace LAX you can be an outlet for others so what do you consider your boundaries of where you're trying to appeal yeah, yeah so you you know you mentioned a good thing a really important thing a key for our success is to know where we appeal and where we don't but the reality is it all starts with looking as I mentioned earlier at the data what we what we know is like half the trips that go out of LAX originate from somewhere closer to another airport that's all leakage to LAX so it, to me, it means we have an overdependence on an airport in this region. Doesn't mean that that's a bad thing about you know LAX is not a black hat, we're not a white hat, but our region needs to give our people the traffic that originate here an option. And so the strength that we have is everybody in Southern California knows where our airport is. The weakness we have is nobody outside of Southern California, yeah, <laughs> outside of the Western region knows where the, where they the airport is. Think you're in Canada? That's right. They think we're in Canada, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I compare us to Newark a lot in that yeah, everybody you, in New York yeah. knows where Newark is. Nobody outside of New York really knows where Newark is. But but like New York, this is a big enough market where you can fill up an airplane just with the outbound traffic to almost anywhere in the world. So what we we always start with the data on a market specific, airline specific basis. And we target opportunities that are really, um, we where we're really confident that it's going to be successful. So, for example, geographically, that means you can say, well, there's a lot of leakage in LAX. That's true, but we're not the ideal airport to capture all that leakage. So we're really smart about drive time driven in the morning rush hour, knowing how people get to an airport in Southern California, because again, that's our strength, outbound Southern California traffic. Where can we tell someone? without giving them a disappointing experience where they never want to try us again, you're better off going to, to out of Ontario than, than LAX. That really is, when you look at drive times, it really goes down into Orange County, all of North Orange County, Fullerton, Anaheim, Brea, down into South Orange County, like Irvine, the five freeway, and then up to... But Irvine, I mean, that's closer to John Wayne. It is, except John Wayne is at its limit. So we're really talking. What we're oh, trying to do is appeal to growth. Yeah, because okay. look, we have we have you know probably close to thirty percent seat capacity growth next year. Right. We're going to add more. If if there is a massive increase in seat capacity in Southern California, it will either be Ontario or LAX. Right. Burbank, John Wayne, and that's a really important factor in Southern California. Burbank, John Wayne, and Long Beach are all full. really where they're at. They're full. So you know, um, and they and they have caps, or, you know, curfews, not caps, they have a curfew in addition to a cap, or they have noise restrictions that, that make certain times of the day very inopportune for flying out of those airports. So, and they're more congested as well. I live in Irvine, so I live close to John Wayne Airport. My wife grew up in Irvine, happy wives, happy life, live, you know, in her hometown. I live 40 miles from Ontario Airport, probably about 36 to 37 from LAX. It would take me three hours to get to a terminal at LAX. In the morning rush hour, it takes me 45 minutes. I'm at a ticket counter within 50 minutes at Ontario Airport. Yeah. So it's that idea of looking at where... So so I can logically pitch that to, to someone who lives where I do. Would I go pitch that to someone in Newport Beach? Probably not, even though it's probably right. six of one, half dozen of the other. So we're really conservative in where we geographically draw the line for our, you know... So it's advertising. North Orange market. County, South like Orange down. County, and the big the big pot opportunity. So the big opportunities are North or, or Orange County, and San Gabriel Valley. Yeah. So do you go as far as downtown LA? Is that no, we don't. Again, okay. it's conservative. So so you, as a local, you'll get this. 
10 years ago, I would always draw the line at Lawa where we market in Ontario to the 605 East. Okay. In 10 years, that's shit from the 605 to the 710. It has. Yeah. So the and 710 is still just east of downtown. So you're yeah. saying if you're just east it's of downtown, downtown LA. Yeah. Then and that part of that is because it's the it's the mixing bowl you go through in downtown LA to get to, you know, you live here on the west side. You know how, you know better than anybody that it's not miles, it's minutes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. When I lived on the west side, it was miserable. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I am technically east of the 710, but here in Long Beach, I'm still not going to Ontario. Yeah, right, so, right, right. But you know that. You yeah, know yeah. that, and you're not gonna. Yeah. And again, I'm not, not looking to. All, to all we're trying to give people is an alternative and an option. Right. So, you know, how do you how do you do that? Right. So let's let's talk about Delta for a second. You got them to come back into Atlanta. Yeah. How do you do that? Because the. You know, there's no guarantee that the people are there that are going to show up. You're asking Delta to look at the data, take a leap of faith. They put it in there that they're going to fill up those airplanes with, with good money, right? Yeah. So, I mean, how did you get in there? How did you win that business? Well, so I think, um, well, there were a couple things. You know, the, I'd love to say I'm a genius, but <laughs> Delta used to have four flights a day in that market before 2008-2009. Um, you know, United was in Houston. Part of it is bringing back flights that were there before and that were successful. But what we really do data-wise is I don't, so the origin destination data, the OD1A data from the USDOT that most airline network planners use and consulting firms use and look at, that just tells you who departs from an airport. It doesn't tell you where they come from. Now, now in Phoenix, that's fine because, I mean, even with Williams Gateway, Phoenix High Sky Harbor is the airport for Phoenix. Right. One, you know, one or, you know, syntax. Right. But here is, the zip code here's matters. Here's zip code matters. So we buy IATA data, which gives us credit card transaction information. So we get the true point of origination of the purchase of the of the ticket, and we focus on just the Southern California market, and um, then we we overlay that with drive times, and then we overlay that with um, what capacity they have at other airports in the region besides LAX, right. LAX and the other airports, and and what time of day they have those opportunities, and then we try to go into an airline and say. Um, Really, our strategy is to bookend the base. We are not in a, you know, look, if you ask me, is John Wayne a wonderful airport to fly out of? Absolutely it is. Sure. But I don't touch it unless it's I'm leaving before noon and coming back before 3 o'clock in the afternoon, right? So so even if I thought myself as a traveler, now I always fly out of Ontario because it's our airport, your, right? Yeah, yeah but I'd hope If so. I'm thinking of myself as a business traveler, I would there would be things that appeal to me about that airport, but there's some real issues with that. There's things that are appealing about Long Beach, but there's some issues with Long Beach. There's some in places I can't go. There's some times I don't want to risk getting bounced because of a curfew or yeah. having a flight canceled. So what we're trying to say is pe to people is, um, because in Southern California, you know well, we're all very airport agnostic. And, and there may be one airport or two that you don't look at. In Orange County, people look at everything but Burbank. And in San Gabriel Valley, you probably look at everything but John Wayne. In the Inland Empire, they looked at you know, Burbank, John Wayne, sometimes Long Beach, LAX, you know. Um, but so, so people shop multiple airports. So what we want to tell people is we are convenient either because we have a non-stop that you can't get anywhere other than LAX or because we have a schedule that's very attractive in the sense that you can come back on a, red, on a, on a late night flight. You no can, curfew. No curfew. Or, you know, so, so we're, not, we're looking to be accretive to what an airline does and accretive to the options that a traveler has in yeah. both senses. It's not, we hate this airport, you know. We're not trying to be any other airport in Southern California. What we're trying to do is give additional options to a region that really needs as many options as it can get. And now China Airlines uh, was a, a huge get yeah. <laughs> earlier than I ever thought that would happen. Yeah. Uh, and 
you know, they, they, it looked like they had some struggles. They shifted their times. They shifted their aircraft. They did some other things. But it seems like it, it's at least you're filling that airplane now. How's that going for them? Yeah. So, so the, you know, the, the story of China Airlines was, um, again, that's a really good example of the way we look at markets. Um, I, I would tell you China Airlines is is the most challenging first Asian airline you could have in the re, in, in the market. Oh, really? Because, the, you know, the challenges you have at Taipei. Oh, yeah. You can't get very, you know, the, the, the main access to mainland China. Um, but we looked at that and knew 70% of the Taiwanese-American population in Southern California live closer to Ontario than LAX, mainly in the San Gabriel Valley and North Orange County, both regions of our kind of yeah. advantage. And so this and is just using the data yeah. with... Uh, using the, the data. And I know, and I mean, you're the... You had the county. You had you had people like really. There's a lot of political. You know, there's a lot of political yeah. for sure because that's a very political airline. But they came in at first with a triple seven three hundred ER, and I was I was the most, um, not even skeptical. I was completely concerned. Like, oh my gosh, it's way too much daily. capacity daily with lights that yeah. don't connect. So the, and and they lost they lost money the first five months, but they did because they only had four connections over Taipei. Yeah. In September of 2018, they put in. Um, uh, a new schedule, outbound schedule that had 16 connections, uh, 20 I think. I went from four and to they 20. went with the 350. And they went with 350. And so what happened is it just took off. And they actually found that they make a they make a premium. They still they make a premium uh, on their Ontario flight versus LAX in both economy and in business. Do they? Yeah, they do. Um, and and uh, they've seen that grow. That premiums grow over time because they've because. Again, there is that, and they've also added a flight to LAX. They moved a flight from LAX. They recently added another flight. Oh, they to LAX. did bring yeah. it back there because yeah. I saw it when they. I mean, they went all in at Ontario. <laughs> they were taking well, the and, away. and so what they found is a couple things. Two thirds of their, two thirds of the O and D traffic, the LA to Taipei traffic, now yes. goes on the Ontario flight as opposed to the LAX flight. Okay. So it really serves the outbound originating market, or the you know people coming in from Taipei to visit friends, and their friends and family say. This is the closer airport. Yeah. So it's freed up more of the capacity at LAX for, you know, flows over their hub. But there's still enough they could add another yeah. flight back, so yeah. they're doing just fine. Yeah, and so that's been a, a really successful flight for them. And it's also, you know, they are getting a fair amount of flows to Vietnam and the Philippines where you have 70% of the Vietnamese population and demand, more importantly demand, that originates from zip codes close to Ontario Airport. You know, and yeah. and so we're really strategic. Look, can we add, can we support a flight to mainland China? Absolutely, multiple flights because two thirds of the demand and two thirds of the population of, of people of you know mainland Chinese descent in Southern California live closer to Ontario than LAX. It's just you know at the end of the day, the data determines your your opportunities. Yeah. And so we're really driven in that way. When I say, oh, you know, we should make a flight to um, you know Istanbul a priority. Honestly, I could tell you that anything you can support at LAX, you can support from an Ontario because I think travelers in Southern California are fungible. If they, if you, if your only option was to fly out of Ontario, people would drive to Ontario tomorrow. In like Southern California, but inbound, like California. Is the inbound is a challenge. Clearly, yeah. yeah. So that's why we're also really careful too. Is is that we don't want to. Uh, well, there's a couple things. First of all, when we're outside of Southern California, we tell the world we're in Los Angeles right. because that's a market they know. I mean, look, Heathrow is not any closer to downtown London than. You know, if you think about the tube, it's an hour. Fifteen-minute train ride on into Paddington. So. That's right. Yeah, or if you're, yeah, exactly. Sure. Metrolink ain't going to show. Sure, yeah. but 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 relatively speaking, Europe's cities are much more dense. But it right. is out in the you know, Heathrow's out on the. It's not sure. central London. So, part of what and even Los Angeles, you know, LAX is 20 miles from downtown LA. So, part of it is telling someone outside of this area where it is generally speaking in the world. You know, I was shocked when I was in Dallas working in Dallas. The people in China had no idea where Dallas or Houston were. 
But if you think about it, how many cities does the average American know in China? Beyond Beijing and Shanghai, yeah. Uh, Maybe you know. a Shenzhen. Yeah. Well, you and I are in the travel industry. Well, yeah, it's different. You know, right. Yeah, so okay, fair. Take it, you know, if we go talk to Joe and Jill Six Pack, right? They right. Okay, yeah. fair enough. So, so look, you know, you think you can support China? Is there more coming soon? Is there anything? Uh, I think if we didn't have the trade, um, oh. current trade situation we have, we'd have flights to mainland China. Really? Sure. Yeah. That's the issue. Yeah, and I think you're not the same market as LAX. This isn't. Uh, no, because I mean, politically, is, legally, like, no, we're not. Have, yeah, okay. we're not. Yeah. So someone could add that yeah. from oh, China. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and I think what we're trying to do with you know even with the U.S. carriers. Um, you know, look, we recognize, and I would be the first person to say, you're crazy to not have all the capacity you could have at LA. Well, you know, look, I mean, if it's making money, of course you should put capacity yeah. there. But I think smart carriers will see that there's an opportunity to really to have a stronger position in the basin by bookending the basin. And, yeah. and that's what you're really doing. Because, again, one thing we haven't talked about is look at the demographic growth. You know, the, for years, you know, the, the Inland Empire was, oh, it's a bunch of, you know, People are poor. Or it's you know. It's, you know. That was the conventional wisdom. wisdom. But look, where's the third largest population of millennials in the United States? In those two counties in the Empire. Because that's where yeah it is. Because that's where people can buy. They're the fastest growing parts of California, economically, population wise. It's for a couple reasons. Number one, people homes are affordable out there. Six seven hundred thousand dollars is affordable in Southern California. <laughs> But it's compared for to everyone else listening yeah, to this, yeah, <laughs> feeling shocked yeah. at hearing that. Yeah. But a home on the coast is 1.4, right? 1.2, right? So, younger families, um, a lot of young professionals, and part of what's driven it is since aircraft manufacturing left lovely Long Beach and other cities in Southern California after the Cold War, there's been no blue collar sector, really, to speak of. Even a lot of film left, filming left the, the, the region, and and an economy is strongest when you have the strong blue collar sector for all the, the kids that are going to get out of high school and not go to college, that need a job where they can have a career and stay here. We've had flight or we've had more of a, a dependent on minimum wage jobs in this region because we haven't had that. And so the other piece of Ontario's success story that is just as important is what's happened with FedEx and UPS and Amazon because our airport is, surprisingly, more U.S. Ex air freight exports go out of Ontario than any airport in America, 6% of the national total, believe it or not. Um, but these logistics jobs, the, the, I really call them kind of e-commerce jobs, the warehouses and distribution centers, those are now jobs where they start at $17. You can work up over time to $40 an hour. You can buy a home, stay in Southern California, and have a comfortable living in, in with that kind of a job. And so that sector is really important to us. You know, I joke, we're not Silicon Valley, but we're International Trade Alley. From the seaports to everything that's stored in the Inland Empire that gets put on trucks, um, so some of our initiatives are looking at an inland customs port and, and, and creating a way to move freight out of the seaports more efficiently to have, you know, we, we want to build and grow that sector because all the white-collar jobs build on top of that. Yeah. And, and I think, and just, you know, the general pattern in your life on California, you know how it works. It was, you know, L.A. was too full in the 50s, so it was San Fernando Valley. Then that, you know, 1955 people said, what is Walt Disney doing building Disneyland a bunch amongst those hicks down in Orange County? Orange County came in its own in the really in the 80s and 90s, and and now it's kind of too full. And so the next place where there is space and dirt is Inland Empire, yeah. and that's where the investment is, the building, the job growth. And um, so the timing is really good for us demographically as well. And it's like you know, one thing that I tell a lot of airlines is, look, you can either come in now or you're going to want to scramble to be in there in 10 years. And and I do see, will it ever be? 
our goal is not, and never would we be, as um, you know, as uh, well known a, a, a name or a brand as LAX. But in Southern California, what we think we can be is well known for, like you know, like John Wayne has for years. You know, it's the more convenient airport. It's where people paid more to fly out of. Interestingly enough, difference between 10 years ago and now. Burbank and Ontario are actually higher yield airports for airlines than John Wayne is. John Wayne was always at about a 20% profit margin. Now it's about 18, 19, 20, still in the same range. But you know, Burbank and Ontario sort of go back and forth as the highest margin airports in Southern California, 21, 22%. You know? So again, a lot smaller volume than LAX. Right. But what you see that's different from before is elites are using the airport. You know, and it's not just for a better shot at upgrade. It's also it's predictable. It's more convenient. Right. Um, and, and so there's two things I really want us to do this next year is get more services to hubs. An additional flight to Atlanta, additional flights to you know, Dallas and Phoenix, which are coming next year, are really important because we need to give those business travelers that profile. Bigger planes to Salt Lake or to San Francisco. Um, those hub services are not the ones everybody gets excited about, but they're really important. And then number two is adding more points on the map, more destinations like we've seen with you know, you mentioned JetBlue and Frontier coming back in, um, more international points being added as well. But, you know, you have to have that profile profile because good, bad, or indifferent people are, are still the mindset in Southern California that the nonstop is the most important thing. Part of what we do is tell people, think about the fact you're spending four hours to get a nonstop. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? So there's a certain segment of the market that says, which we already see, that at all these satellite airports, it says a connection is better for me than... Well, roulette on the freeway. Yeah. But you still have to add the nonstops because people are not going to change that. Look, thinking. I mean, I, you know, I, I fly out of Long Beach when I can, but after getting stuck somewhere on a connection because the plane broke, and, you know, yeah. it just adds more uncertainty into it. Yeah. So, yeah, you may spend an hour getting through the horseshoe at LAX, yeah. but uh, at least you know that once you're on the plane, you're probably going to end up where you need to be yep. and not That's stuck right. somewhere. But, all right. So, this is why you have to add the nonstops. It is, right. Yeah. All right, so before we go, though, um, you talk about being the boutique business travel airport. How does Frontier fit into that? So, they, <laughs> so they're growing. They just added, uh, what is it, Guatemala City? And uh, yep, Guatemala City, uh, San Salvador and El Salvador, uh, Miami, uh, Newark, which they announced well, Newark they announced, yeah. yeah. and then uh, they're going into the Las Vegas market. Okay, which, which, you know, that's interesting. I mean, certainly we've seen opportunity for these ultra-low-cost guys to undercut Southwest and markets yeah. where Southwest has become quite comfortable. Yeah. Uh, but... You know, how does that fit into that business travel strategy? Because Frontier is not aiming for a business travel. Right? No. Well, there's a couple of things. Um, uh, well, I, they, they serve a different segment of the market. You know, they. So I don't think they discourage the. Um, they discourage United Americans, Deltas, or even Southwest, really, in any way. You know, a Vegas market, it might mean more Southwest service. Which is fine because Southwest used to have ten flights a day. They're down to four and they've been at four well, for years. Well, sure, but they're not. But they're not going to compete with it. Yeah, they're right. not. They're not running a business schedule. They're not even. You know, it's not every day of the week. What is great about Frontier is you do two things. Number one, they add a lot of nonstop points on the map, which mm -hmm. and, and which is attractive for leisure travelers. Um, and and number two, they are very attractive and important for that segment of the market, who you know I, I call it the discretionary travel. You call it leisure, whatever. But the I, you know, we, um, what I, I don't fly to your airport because you don't have $200 round trip fares across the country. Well, you have Frontier, and Frontier offers that, and they are, you know, and, and I think one of the great things that's happened with Frontier and Spirit is they've, um, 
you know, if you talk to Barry, he'll say Frontier is, you know, Spirit with Barry the heart. Barry the head yeah. of <laughs> yeah. Frontier. Yeah, and then, of course, Spirit is now becoming kind of AirTran Part 2. Yeah. And so so I think that whole that whole product they offer, yeah, it's not competing with, with the majors, but it's it's a, it's a it's a it's one where there's a value proposition for people to fly that airplane. No question. So I think what it does is it 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 makes a big important part of the of the of the, of the that the consumer segment that's looking for what they offer happier because they have alternatives too. Yeah. I mean, up to this point, your opportunity with Frontier was to go to LAX. Right. Well, Orange County. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very limited. Yeah, Denver, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I guess this kind of fits in with what you were saying before, though, where, you know, you, you want to hit multiple places to bring down costs to yeah. increase utility. So this may not fit into the business travel, the boutique business travel uh, niche, but it helps enable it further, just adds yeah. to the pot all that. Well, and, and look, the reality is you can have some of it. I mean, the, part of the reason why we're not pursuing... You know, I would have no. I talk. I talk a lot about you know Newark or Fort Lauderdale is kind of the two paths you could go. You know, when we talk about the past, and I have no issue with if we were to kind of grow more like Fort Lauderdale has with a lot of LCCs and ULCCs. But the reality is just that they are unlike a lot of a lot of the other large markets. They have for years been in LAX. Yeah. Because LAX wasn't an expensive airport, but um, because they're in LAX in such a large way. Um, you know, we're not. If we tried to grow to get LCC traffic to compete with LAX, that's really kind of a race to the bottom. And I don't mean that as a reflection of the airlines. It's a race bottom of who's got the most low fare seats. You know, yeah. that's not a. That's to succeed, you got to figure out which race you can win, and that's one where we can win. And and it's really important to me too. I think part of our role in this region is to benefit the region um, in terms of environmental impacts, impact on infrastructure impact on the congestion in the region. Airports don't account for a lot of traffic on freeways, but they account for some. So to the extent that we can offer something that's, you know, different, a value proposition that's different than than in particular LAX, we do help the region. You know, I don't I don't think that, that even even my friends at LAX could say that they can take every passenger. You can do that, but you lock down the whole west side of Los Angeles. And, you know, you, you, you build a beautiful new stadium in Inglewood, but then you're going to have traffic because of the airport jam up Inglewood when there's a football game. I mean, this region needs a little bit more sensible distribution of traffic. And to the extent that we can offer something that's different and compelling for consumers to change their behavior, then that's where we do also contribute to a little less congestion, a little bit better experience. And also, look, for people that are coming here to do business, the last thing we need is to say, you know, you have clients. Last thing you want to do is, you know, come into an airport, sit on a freeway for three hours. Now you're in Long Beach; it's different, but there's large parts of this region where that's what you're asking someone to come do when they come here to do business with you. Yeah. So, so to the extent that we can become more, you know, larger and more noticeable and marketable in other parts of the country too, there is that benefit. Where, you know, again, part of what I was talking about earlier, we're not just going to look to build an airport, uh, build you know, airport infrastructure. We want to be like Singapore, Schiphol. Um, where they've created an environment for international business to come in, people to come in, do business, have meetings, not have to go to a far-flung location. You concentrate. The Ontario Aerotropolis. Yeah, I hate that word. Uh, are they still using that word? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's such a, yeah. It's, all right. I mean, well, get some nice hotels. We will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Mark. Well, thanks for your yeah, time. Yeah, sure, I appreciate it. Yeah. And that was it. 
I want to thank Mark for breakfast and for the conversation. And of course, I want to thank Canada for pretending to be a sponsor in my mind. Remember, if you want to be a real sponsor, email me at cf at crankyflyer.com. That's all for now.